Society builders paved the way to a better world, to a better day. A united approach to building a new society. Join a conversation for social transformation. Society builders. Ooh. Society builders with your host, Dwayne Veron. Welcome to Society Builders, and thanks for joining the conversation for social transformation. Over the course of the past season, we explored the future in terms of the importance of having a sense of vision, and we explored the past, including profiles of what I think are our best examples of society building in both the East and the West. In the East, of helping build Iran's first democratic institutions and its first constitution, then pivoting to building a network of over 60 schools for both girls and boys in what was almost an entirely illiterate society. And in the West, by becoming champions for race unity, helping shape the evolution of the modern civil rights movement. So we've covered a bit of the past, we've covered a bit of the future, now that we're in our second season, we'll pivot to looking a little bit more at the present. And we kick this off today by exploring the guidance from the Universal House of Justice that was the very inspiration for the launch of this podcast series. It's guidance of December 30, 2021. This is the guidance that gives us our first glimpse of the new society building landscape. Now, I know that many, if not most of you, have already studied this message. You've probably studied it both individually and collectively in your communities. And for you, today's episode will probably just serve as a reminder to jog your memory a bit. And for those of you who haven't yet studied the message, I implore you not to think of this episode as a substitute for your own study. Instead, think of it as something designed to whet your appetite a bit or something to reinforce your own study because nothing beats studying the message yourself and with others to draw your own conclusions. And once again, I want to emphasize that I speak with no authority here. I do not represent any Baha'i institution. This is not an official or authorized summary. This is simply one person sharing their imperfect understanding of some of the features in the message. You shouldn't take anything I say in these podcasts with any authority, and you certainly shouldn't view me as an expert. Mine is just another voice, which you are free to draw on or to reject as you see fit. These are simply one person's views, no more valid than anyone else's. So with that disclaimer, Let's get today's episode in motion. Today, we explore the mandate that the Universal House of Justice gives us to focus on releasing the society-building power of the faith over the course of the next 24 years. Now, rather than say, the Universal House of Justice's message to the Continental Board of Counselors of December 30, 2021. I'll simply refer to this as the message. That's how I'll be referring to it through the rest of today's podcast and across the next few podcasts where we'll be studying this message. 
And also, the message makes reference to a period of 25 years from when it's written. Now, sometimes I'll refer to that as the next 25 years, but of course that was a year ago, so sometimes I'll also refer to it as the next 24 years. So excuse the confusion there. So the message gives us a glimpse of what's in store for us for what is now the next 24 years as we work together as a community to bring this society-building vision to fruition. I say glimpse because it's important to appreciate, I think, that we don't yet really understand what all of this really fully means, but we will. We'll discover this meaning over the course of the next few decades as it takes shape organically. And as this all unfolds, we'll look back at the guidance and understand it with new, fresh perspectives, things that were there in the message, but which we didn't really notice, understand, or fully appreciate at the time. Let me give you an example. For most of us, the whole society-building construct as this unified focus for the community, this was something entirely new. We hadn't really thought of it in this way before. But when you look back, we shouldn't have been surprised at all. The construct was facing us in black and white in previous correspondence. We just didn't appreciate its significance at the time. Of course, we first see this reference to this society-building construct in the writings of Shoya Fendi. In World Order of Baha'u'llah, way back in 1936, Shoghi Effendi wrote the following, conscious of their high calling, confident in the society-building power which their faith possesses, they press forward undeterred and undismayed in their efforts to fashion and perfect the necessary instruments wherein the embryonic world order of Baha'u'llah can mature and develop. So there was that reference, society building power, which their faith possesses. Now, I've read World Order of Baha'u'llah a number of times. I'm sure many of you have as well. I even taught a whole course on it. But the society building construct, specifically, as it's worded here, well, that never leaped out at me. I never noticed it. I kind of just read through it. But now, looking back, we can see just how important this reference really was. Similarly, there have been a number of messages more recently from the Universal House of Justice that have alluded to this society-building focus. In Resvan 2018, for example, the Universal House of Justice wrote, from the resulting transformation visible in the individual and collective lives of people may be discerned the unmistakable stirrings of the society-building power of the cause of Baha'u'llah. And in a message of July 22nd, 2020, they wrote, you are channels for this divine love. Let it flow through you to all who cross your path. Infuse it into every neighborhood and social space in which you move to build capacity to canalize the society-building power of Baha'u'llah's revelation. So we see this foreshadowing in these messages. But again, 
the society-building construct and these messages just rolled right past me. I, I didn't understand at the time. I didn't know what it was referring to. It was something I didn't even really think about. And even in looking back, you get the sense that this is referencing the future. It's framing it as stirrings, as building capacity to canalize the society-building power. Now, looking back, suddenly, these references to society building really stand out, and we view it in an entirely new light. And that's how it is with the message we're studying today. In the future, we'll look back and we'll see things in this message that completely escaped our attention, or which we still don't grasp as we try to understand it today. Recognizing this, we approach this task with a certain amount of humility, recognizing our imperfect attempt to understand it. So be forgiving, and let's join together in working to understand this guidance as best we can. Now, the message is about 9,000 words, 8,999 to be precise. <laughs> and it's structured in seven sections with titles drawing attention to each section. For the purpose of our summary, we'll discuss the message in these seven sections. And obviously, this isn't something we're going to be able to do in a single episode, so we'll have separate episodes to study these different sections. In all, in fact, we'll explore the message across three episodes. So let's roll up our sleeves and dive right in. Today's episode will look at the first and the last section of the message, what I call the bookends of the message. Of course, starting with the intro makes all the sense in the world, but you might be thinking, why then jump to the end? Isn't that a little anticlimactic? And you're right, but where the intro gives us this vision of what's to come in the message, the closing section provides a little bit of a summary and it gives us a vision moving forward. So in some ways, these two sections differ from the rest of the message where you're grappling with and trying to understand very specific themes, getting at the how. So as I alluded to, the first section, which doesn't have a title, is the introduction, which gives us a bird's eye view of what's to come. It's the second shortest of our seven sections at only four paragraphs. The shortest section, of course, is the conclusion at three paragraphs. So all up, today we'll be studying just seven paragraphs. But trust me, there's a lot in those seven paragraphs. Now I've talked about this introductory section before in our first episode, because I was truly overwhelmed when I read the introduction. I literally leapt up on my feet, and before reading the rest of the message, I literally leapt up and made the decision to start hosting this series right then and there, because I immediately realized just how life-transforming this would all be. It's landmark. For Baha'is, the society-building construct will increasingly become our guiding light, paving the path for service for the rest of our lives. And on a personal level, 
I find it exciting that I can point to that moment in my life, like remembering watching the first moon landing. I mean, I remember exactly where I was and how I was feeling when I read that intro. So even though this first section is relatively short at just four paragraphs, it really packs a punch. The first paragraph immediately grabs you with a sense of destiny. We're embarking upon a new set of plans that will eclipse the previous ones. Wow, it'll eclipse them? Well, that's something. And it will develop in us capacities which we can scarcely glimpse at present. Hmm, you immediately start wondering, what kind of capacities will we be developing and under what circumstances? I mean, it's exciting, it's, it's fulfilling. In the second paragraph, they quote Baha'u'llah. He says, the purpose for which mortal men have from utter nothingness stepped into the realm of being is that they may work for the betterment of the world and live together in concord and harmony. Now, making this happen is the work of many generations. I often talk about this. It's like building the kingdom of heaven on earth is like constructing a great building. Here, I'm thinking of something like the Sagrada Familia Cathedral in Barcelona, which has been under construction now for over 140 years. A task so great that it will take many generations to actually build. And of course, building the kingdom of God is so much more ambitious. But the reason we can build across generations is because we're all building to a common set of blueprints. God's messengers bring us the blueprints. And it's up to us to contribute our part in building it. Placing a brick in isolation is meaningless, but placing that same brick as part of a larger plan, well, now you're part of something so much bigger than yourselves, something that truly transcends you. So it's the work of many generations, and they make it clear that this is something we'll be doing, working side by side with all, and not just with Baha'is. Now that's a very important theme, something we'll return to later as well, because society building isn't a Baha'i thing. It's an enterprise where we'll be collaborating with like-minded people. We're a catalyst to help bring people together to serve in great, great ways. Again, that's another important idea. Most of the rest of the intro helps us visualize society building by describing its qualities. For example, they discuss the central characteristics surrounding our initiatives, and they use these words, vibrant, outward-looking communities. Communities that learn how to bring about spiritual and material progress, and learning how to contribute to the discourses that influence the direction of that progress. Together, these reflect the society-building power of the faith. Now, a quick review. The outward-looking communities idea reinforces what they clarified earlier, that this is something we do in collaboration with the world around us 
and not on our own. It's interesting that the progress they refer to is a reference to both spiritual and material progress, and not spiritual progress alone. Religious communities often ignore the material altogether, and they see their mission as spiritual only. So this focus on both spiritual and material progress is also fascinating. And the whole idea of learning how to contribute to discourses, well, that's a massive topic, which we'll actually have a whole series of episodes on, and in fact, which we'll explore a little further in our next episode. So we'll hold that thought a bit for now. Just keep in mind the relative priority of us engaging in this kind of engagement with the discourses of society that influence the direction of this spiritual and material progress. Okay, now in the third paragraph, they then lay out a vision for the next 25 years, running through 2046. Wow. And here's the kicker. This is the one that knocked me off my socks. This is the one sentence, I think, that becomes our new creed. They say this, during this period, the Baha'i world will be focused on a single aim, the release of the society-building power of the faith in ever greater measures. Now that's the headline. Now, the idea of the Baha'i community globally having a single aim like this for the next 25 years, wow, that's powerful. It elevates the importance of the society building construct to something I believe that is unprecedented in our history. And as Baha'is come to increasingly grapple with all of this, it means Baha'is all over the world will see their priority in life as being finding their path of service in this society-building arena. So all of us can now sum up our number one priority in our path of service in just two words, society-building. And the idea that this will happen with ever greater measures, wow, it's like waves, with each wave being just a little bit higher, a little bit bigger than the last. Again, I'm blown away by this. And one more observation. Note that the Universal House of Justice here refers to releasing the society-building power of the faith. This construct, this use of the word releasing feels very different to the previous references to the society building construct. For example, in the 2018 message I quoted from earlier, it's stirrings of the society building power of the faith. In the 2020 message, this becomes building capacity to canalize it. These references both feel like they're building up to something. And then with 2021, it's the release of the society building power. To me, it's like the previous messages are making a reference to winding up the spring, and yet just a little over a year later, we're setting in motion the forces to release it. So there's just so much power that's packed in that one sentence. Again, for me, this is a whole new creed to live by. The Universal House of Justice then explains that pursuing this will require 
a further rise in the capacity of the three key protagonists of Baha'i community life, the individual believer, the local community, and the institutions of the faith. And this reference to the three protagonists is something Baha'is are now really well acquainted with. It recognizes that there is a symbiotic relationship here. All three need to work together for the plans to be effectively realized. And this relationship between these protagonists is something we'll explore further in a future episode. But for now, let's just recognize that all three will need to develop these new capacities. But the key here is that success can't be achieved by them acting independent of each other. Their interaction is critical to their exponential growth. Again, we'll explore this all further in a future episode, but for now, Let's appreciate that we'll have to grow and develop new capacities as individuals, as communities, and as institutions. But we'll have to do this by working together. They then go on to describe what this all looks like, what it looks like for us to apply the sovereign remedy for every disease. And they describe a number of qualities. They describe this as a commitment to prosperity recognizing that this is achieved through the welfare of society at large, that we eschew partisanship, that it's not about us gaining power, that instead we should focus on transcending differences, harmonizing perspectives, and promoting the use of consultation for decision-making. Now, I want to focus on this a bit more because I think it's incredibly important. We're not in the power game. We're in the unifying game. Being unifying is the hallmark of our approach. And that's why we can't be partisan. We need to find paths that bring people together to harmonize perspectives. This part of the message really resonates with me personally because I think it perfectly describes the greatest cancer dividing our societies today. When I look out at the societies around me, and I'm talking about the whole world here, when I look at society, I see people more divided than they've ever been. And I think the technologies we now rely on divide us ever further, creating echo chambers where we source only those views that agree with us, further reinforcing our divisions. And I think this more than anything is what makes the present feel so different to the past. It's an amplification of our divisions at a level we just haven't seen in the past. So this part of the message for me speaks to this need for us to find paths of service that unify and harmonize. And this is probably one of the greatest things we can do for the societies around us that stand so divided. Now, I'm going to digress for a second just a little bit further to clarify a little bit more because I know Baha'is who I think get sucked in by the rhetoric of the social movements of the day. They take a stand on a clear Baha'i principle, but in doing so, they join a side and they discount the other. I don't think that's the Baha'i way. There is a supreme principle at work, and that's the principle of unity. We have to find a way to engage 
that unifies and not one that further divides. Again, this is an important principle we'll explore further in future episodes. It's an incredibly complex art. But in everything we do, this principle of unifying, of harmonizing, must reign supreme. This, I believe, is our great differentiator. It's what makes us so different from every other social movement. All right, I've digressed a bit here. But again, the point for today's discussion is that we need to transcend difference, harmonize perspectives, and promote the use of consultation. Then they focus on a few key qualities in this path. Trustworthiness, cooperation, forbearance. Again, we should reflect on each of these qualities. They refer to these as the building blocks of a stable social order. And you might reflect about why these particular qualities, trustworthiness, cooperation, forbearance, why these above others? For me personally, it's forbearance that stands out. It triggers this image in my head that we'll often be hurt or disappointed in our journeys, but that we need to show forbearance and move forward. And they continue this by focusing on other qualities. Championing science and rationality. Again, a fascinating position for a religious community, right? Championing science? This implies that there's a way that we approach what we do that is grounded in scientific principles. It's grounded in rational decision-making. They say advocating tolerance and understanding. Again, this is in line with that construct of unifying and harmonizing. Viewing everyone as a potential partner, even among groups, historically hostile to each other. Now, the viewing of everyone as a potential partner bit, well, this is the third reference to this idea that we've had in the message already. But now we get another dimension to this, that we even need to work to bring together groups that are historically hostile to each other. That paints a picture that is just so much greater, right? Conscious of materialism. Now remember, the House of Justice previously clarified that we want both material and spiritual progress. So material progress is not the issue here. It's materialism. And we should reflect, perhaps, on this delineation. Certainly, this could be another theme for a whole episode. And while they say that we clearly see the injustices in the world, we should be, quote, equally clear-sighted about the creative power of unity and humanity's capacity for altruism. Now, I love this reference because the injustices in the world, I think, weigh us all down. It's so overwhelming and it's easy to feel helpless. But here, the Universal House of Justice is giving us something else to focus on, the power of unity, the power of altruism, it's like we can fight injustice with unity and with people's capacity for altruism. I mean, this gives us hope, right? They see the power of religion to transform hearts and overcome distrust. 
Here, I'm reminded of those champions for race unity we talked about in our last episode, people who were truly transformed by the power of the faith and went on to dedicate themselves to promoting race unity. It's another example, and there are, of course, even greater ones, but it's an example of the transforming power of the faith. That we labor to create conditions for progress. And that we share our beliefs liberally with others, but respect every soul's freedom of conscience. So we don't impose our standards on anyone. Now, this is another incredibly important idea. And it presents two challenges. The first, of course, is to share our beliefs with others. And there's no question that this is something we should be doing much, much more of. But then the qualifier, that in sharing our beliefs, we be cautious not to impose our standards on others. Now let's think about this because I think it's so important. I often say that whether a person's faith is a positive or negative influence depends on one thing above all, whether they use their faith as a yardstick to judge themselves or whether they use it as a yardstick to judge others. If they use it to judge themselves, they'll find themselves becoming a better person with the passing of each day. But it's this business of judging others that I believe can become the ugliest expression of a person's faith. I think it's one of the main reasons why people are so often turned off by religion. So for me, whether a person's faith is a good or bad influence depends on whether they use it to judge themselves or whether they use it to judge others. So that's what I hear in these words from the Universal House of Justice. Share your beliefs, but don't judge others. Respect their spiritual journeys. And I think this often happens with good intent. We're excited about what we believe and we wanna share our excitement, but we still need to frame this within these boundaries of respect. Okay, back to our message. The Universal House of Justice then goes on to describe how we approach learning in this journey. We don't pretend we have all the answers, but we're clear about what we've learned and what we still need to learn. We advance through action and reflection, not being phased by setbacks. Now, this idea of building an iterative process for learning, this interaction between action and reflection, is something that has been at the core of our community building capacity development over the past 25 years. So we've gained some experience in that department. But harder, perhaps, is the idea of not being phased by setbacks. I want to explore this idea a little bit more because I think it's the bigger challenge for us at this present juncture. Naturally, we're all human. We're emotional beings. It's only natural that setbacks hurt. And this is where the science and rationality that was referenced earlier comes in. Because if we look at the situation with a rational rather than an emotional lens, we realize that the path of discovery is about both advance and setbacks. We must learn from both. It's one of the fundamental principles of science. Science is about falsifiability, 
You have to be able to fail for you truly to walk down the path of discovery. In fact, in the discourse of science, you often learn more from a setback than you do from a win. It's when you learn from setbacks that you often discover the greatest principles for future advances. So even though it's hard to do on an emotional level, we need to channel our rational faculties and see the setback for the opportunity that it is. I think often in our path of wanting to avoid setbacks, we respond by sweeping any bad news under the carpet, or we try to spin the story. Clearly, this is an area where we need to grow and where we need to develop our capacities. Now, the qualities we've been discussing describe the kind of communities we're working to build. I mean, you could live your lives for the next 25 years just trying to implement the vision that the Universal House of Justice describes here. I mean, how inspiring, right? So that's the first part. That's the intro. It gives us a sense of vision for what's in store. But beyond the nuts and bolts of that vision, I think the intro achieves something else. It inspires us. It frames our sense of destiny. Okay, now we're going to jump all the way to the end of the message. Of course, we've skipped the meat and the sandwich here. There's a lot of detail around the how that's in all the paragraphs we just skipped, but don't dismay, we'll come back to those in our next episodes. So for now, let's accept that there's a lot of amazing guidance on the how that brings us to the climax of the narrative in this amazing conclusion. So first, Let's focus on the title for this section. It's called A Historic Mission. Well, right there, in just three words, you immediately get this sense of destiny. In the first of the three paragraphs that make up the conclusion, the Universal House of Justice impresses upon us that our present-day capacity and the discipline we've developed over the past 25 years in adhering to a coherent framework for action, well, this has prepared us for something special. Drum roll, please. And what is that? It's an extensive, rigorous test of all its resources, spiritual as well as material. I'm gonna read that again. It's an extensive, rigorous test of all its resources, spiritual as well as material. Now, I don't know about you, but I find that sentence inspiring on the one hand, but also really scary. An extensive and rigorous test? Eek! Of all of our resources, both spiritual as well as material? I mean, doesn't that sound a little scary? For me, and again, this is just my personal take on this. It makes it sound like we're in for some really challenging times. Because here I'm reminded of another message from the Universal House of Justice. This one was to a youth conference in Innsbruck, Austria, way back in 1983. 
And in that message, again, that was 40 years ago, they say this. They say, you will live your lives in a period when the forces of history are moving to a climax, when mankind will see the establishment of the lesser peace, and during which the cause of God will play an increasingly prominent role in the reconstruction of human society. It is you who will be called upon in the years to come to stand at the helm of the cause in face of conditions and developments which can, as yet, scarcely be imagined. Now, we can't see the future, but it sure feels like we're approaching that juncture. So maybe the road ahead is going to be really challenging, challenging for all humanity. And maybe that's why this need for our contributions to society building have never been greater. But again, this is nothing more than my personal take here. You should reflect on what those words mean to you. Okay, back to the message. They then add in a sense of the historic dimension of what's to come, and they give us a tangible way of visualizing this by comparing the demands that will be made of us to that of the demands that were made during the 10-year crusade. Now, the 10-year crusade was an amazing period in the history of our faith, the decade from 1953 to 1963. You know, today, the Baha'i faith is the second most widely distributed religion on the planet. There are Baha'is in every nook and cranny of the world. And it was the 10-year crusade which played a pivotal role in making this a reality. Shoghi Effendi called on Baha'is to settle in every nation and land on the planet, and Baha'is responded by making truly heroic sacrifices to make it happen. I mean, Baha'is settled in places from Spitsbergen in the Arctic North to the Falkland Islands in the Antarctic South. And those who made these sacrifices are forever remembered in these communities. It's like St. Gregory, the Illuminator, who was first to bring the gospel to Armenia. And now, thousands of years later, Armenians still celebrate him. So the demands, and by extension, the significance of what's to come is truly historic. And then they raise what feels to me to be something of a question. They say, if we succeed, history will pay tribute. It's the if that gets me. It's not like it's a foregone conclusion. Yes, we have a destiny before us, but it's a destiny we have to earn. And they make an appeal that this perspective on the historic nature of this enterprise not be lost. It's a big deal. And they say this, they say, quote, the civilization of today, for all its material prowess, has been found wanting, and the verdict has been issued by the supreme pen. Know ye not that we have rolled up that which the people possessed, and have unfolded a new order in its place. 
Here, they are referring to that incredible image which Baha'u'llah gives us, the image of the old world being rolled up and a new one being unrolled before us. Building this divine civilization is our primary mission. And they again draw attention to the foundation qualities we'll need. Unity, trustworthiness, mutual support, collaboration, fellow feeling, selflessness, commitment to truth, a sense of responsibility, a thirst to learn, the love of an all-embracing heart. And they close the message with this incredibly inspiring paragraph. How we long to see humanity illumined with the love of its Lord. How we long to hear his praise on every tongue. Knowing the ardency of our wish, you know then the emotion with which when we lay our heads upon the most holy threshold, we implore Baha'u'llah to make you and all who cherish his precious faith ever more perfect channels of his ineffable grace. Wow, we only got through seven paragraphs today, but how inspiring, right? I mean, you really get the sense of how historic this all is and how incredibly important society building will be. It gives you a sense of destiny, but it's a destiny we have to earn. Wow. So thanks for rolling up your sleeves with me and diving in to exploring the message, our mandate for society building. And again, please be forgiving. This is a chance for you to practice that forbearance we talked about earlier. Remember, the views I share are entirely personal. They have no authority, and I'm certainly not an expert here. You are free to disagree with anything I've said. Nothing beats your own study, whether by yourself or with others, as you draw your own conclusions about how this guidance speaks to you. So join me again next time as we continue with the second part of our trilogy, studying this amazing message. So that's it for this episode. Once again, I want to thank you for joining the conversation for social transformation. I look forward to continuing our dialogue again next time on Society Builders. Society builders paved the way to a better world, to a better day. A united approach to building a new society. There's a crisis facing humanity. People suffer from a lack of unity. It's time for a better path to a new society. Join a conversation for social transformation. Society builders. For social transformation, society builders. So engage with your local communities and explore the exciting possibilities. We can elevate the atmosphere in which we move. The paradigm is shifting. 
It's so very uplifting. It's a new beat, a new song, a brand new groove. Join a conversation, a social transformation, society builders. Join a conversation, a social transformation, society builders. High faith has a lot to say, helping people discover a better way with discourse and social action framed by unity. Now the time has come to lift the game and apply the teachings of the greatest name and rise to meet the glory of our destiny. Join a conversation, a social transformation, society builder. Conversation, a social transformation, society builders.